80% of smartphone usage is spent in apps, not browsers. But unfortunately, they're not your apps. The most popular apps aren't even social networks anymore. They're messaging apps. And chatbots are a new way to interact with your prospects in messaging applications. We talk about how recent advancements mean you can create your own chatbot, HubSpot's new free integration with Shutterstock, and why spending $1.5 million for a domain can be worth it. All that and a whole lot more in this episode of Inbound Buzz. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to Inbound Buzz. I'm your host, Moby Sadiq. I hope you're very, very well today as you listen to episode number 53. Just a note, you can catch all the show notes of today's episode, redpandas.com.au forward slash EP53. Okay, let's get into it. Let's start with some industry news. So, who would have thought two little letters could be worth so much? It was announced earlier this month that the popular traffic and conversion tool, sumome.com, spent $1.5 million on the sumo.com domain as part of a new rebrand. Now, before I go into the reasons why they did this and what I think about that particular decision, for those of you who haven't heard of Sumo or Sumo Me as they used to be called or haven't used anything like it, let me just explain what this thing does. So it's a fantastic little suite and one of the tools it features is email capture pop-up. So now yes, most pop-ups do suck. Most marketers are not using them properly. And if you want to hear how to use them in the best way possible um, and not actually peeve people off, we cover this extensively in my interview with Saeed Bolki in episode number 17. The Sumo Suite also has cool social sharing buttons. So, you know, like this, share this, tweet this, Pinterest this. Um, In addition to having nice looking social share bars on key pages, the pro version will actually even help you see which sharing options are bringing you traffic and you can see all your share stats. Now this is really, really basic, but I'd say most, uh, maybe 90% plus of websites that have social sharing buttons could not tell you how many times someone has used them. So this is a tool that helps you do that. It is a complete suite, so it has a couple of other tools as well, like Highlighter, where people can highlight sections of text and tweet that section of text. Um, An image sharer, where with one click they can share that image, put it on Pinterest or whatever. So the whole idea of this thing is to engage with different visitors and at the end of the day, capture their email addresses. So if you're not using anything like them already, check out the free version. It's pretty decent and more than enough to let you decide whether it's something you need to invest further in. But what I want to talk further about is going back to this incredible price tag for sumo.com, which according to sumo.com is the 83rd most expensive domain ever more expensive or equally expensive as Russia.com. Now, Sumo is saying on the website, officially they're saying, the reason why is to show customers they are serious about being around forever and they will be investing way more than $1.5 million into their products into the future. Now, funnily enough, call me crazy, but when you kind of look into it, I understand the rationale behind this purchase. But what I don't buy, what I don't believe, is the reason why they say they bought sumo.com, which is to show customers they're serious. So why did they do it? Well, I believe it's for the authority and the prestige factor. 
Tesla isn't TeslaU.com. Apple isn't your Apple or Apple Me. And even the Facebook rebranded as Facebook.com. Just the way you understand when someone says it's Apple, they want you to associate their growth marketing tool when you hear Sumo or Sumo.com. They are signaling to the market they are a serious brand and want to be more synonymous in the product category they are playing in, right? So when you think of growth marketing, they want you to think of Sumo.com. Marketing's biggest role is eliciting trust with the consumer. It's as simple as that. That's marketing's biggest role. And when you hear a company has spent $1.5 million of cash, obviously, that they have to buy a website, you believe that they have the resources and they have that commitment to support their own tool. So it's a powerful branding exercise. In fact, in an interview with the Domain News Journal, the founder, Noah Kagan, actually goes into a little bit more detail. And he says, and it pretty much boils down to, he, they did this for brand value and being recognized and even as a recruitment tool as well to get and attract the very best talent. One word brands are actually quite powerful. So, you know, like Facebook as opposed to the Facebook and Sumo as opposed to Sumo Me, they hold a lot high prestige and authority. So I understand why Noah says he did what he did. So there's a featured tool slash featured news slash featured branding lesson for you. Now for some exciting HubSpot news and another reason to love the platform. And that's HubSpot's new integration with Shutterstock. So if you're not familiar with Shutterstock, it's a photo library subscription service you can sign on to and download you know, stock photos and even stock videos as well. Now this integration is a free integration and it gives you access to 60,000 images from the Shutterstock library. And you can download those directly into your file manager within HubSpot. Now this is great because images and content are a match made in heaven if that wasn't obvious already. So content with relevant images gets 94% more views than content without. And visual content is 40 times more likely to get shared on social media than other types of content. It's the very same reason when you tweet something or share a link uh, on Facebook or Twitter, wherever it is, you should always accompany that with an attached image. You should always check when you put a link whether it's actually pulled out an image for you because often you can manually uh, upload one. Now, we're all visual creatures, right? And finding images is the bane of every marketer's existence. And, and this integration is cool because now if you're creating a blog post or a page or a newsletter, whatever, you can access all these images from one place. And I do commend HubSpot for doing this. You know, marketers want an all-in-one platform and purchase as fewer uh, you know, applications and subscriptions as possible to get their jobs done. The other reason why I like this is because I already use Shutterstock and in my mind, Shutterstock is the best value for money stock photo library out there. Not only is it relatively affordable compared to a lot of the others, it's easy to use and they've got these really, really cool add-ons. So for those of you who may not uh, be using this and already have Shutterstock, you can actually have these add-ons for PowerPoint and Photoshop where you're within PowerPoint and Photoshop you're looking for a stock uh, image, you don't have to jump outside the platform. You can do it within those two programs. Now, before you get too excited though, there are a few things you need to be considerate of. And that's not only for this HubSpot tool, but for stock images in general. So the first thing I thought, okay, being a fairly frugal guy, you know, aka stingy guy myself with my money, I thought, great. I don't need a Shutterstock account anymore. But it's actually only 60,000 images, which I know sounds like a great deal. But in fact, Shutterstock has over 100 million images. So that's 
0.06% of their inventory. If you require images that aren't all that common, you might actually struggle with this. So I did a few tests, you know, put in some of my own terms, some terms for clients, and for instance, when I searched red panda in Shutterstock, I get over 6,000 results. In HubSpot, I get zero. Now granted, you know, a red panda isn't the most popular animal, so you might not be searching for that. But um, the other thing too, if you're a designer, uh, you probably love vectors and you love illustrations. And if that's the case, well, you won't get them there because I, I would kind of guesstimate from the searches I've done, the 60,000 that they've included, include mainly images. And that's okay because it is a marketer's tool that makes sense. But perhaps the most important thing you need to be mindful, and this is more of, again, a general thing, is stock images are not your friend. Now, with all the HubSpot users having access to the same 60,000 images, you need to be even more careful on how you use them. So, George B. Thomas actually did a really, really good Facebook live video on this earlier, and I'll embed that in the show notes, redpandas.com.au forward slash EP53. And he agrees, it's great, but back at at inbound 2012 and in 2013, you know, they, all, all they kept sort of harping on about was you need to steer clear from stock images. And it's something we've said in past episodes as well. People can smell stock imagery a mile away. George raised what happens now when you have car manufacturers, right, or restaurants or whatever, who now have access to the same library. It doesn't sound like a big deal or a big problem. But, you know, and I don't know how many times I've been on a superannuation website or a wealth planning website, and I've seen the same old white couple wearing all white walking on a beach together. Like, if I see another image like that again, I'm going to lose it. So, you do see these images crop up from time to time. My, the favorite part of George's video for me, though, was the idea of applying a treatment to the image. So, what he means by that is, so, for example, on my website... There's no way I can get real images of red pandas. I don't have them in my backyard, and it's you know it's not something I have um, I have easy access to. So on our website, we apply a semi-transparent kind of like a navy layer. It might have like a 30% transparency on it, um, where you can still see the the image obviously, but it's got this you know layer that we use on all the red panda images that we use. Now some stock images are a lot worse than others. There's another article I'll link that talks about. Seven types of stock images you need to stop using, and some of these really make me cringe. Like those annoying 3D bubble heads, you know those white bubble heads, they don't have a face or anything, um, or people writing on a blackboard or a whiteboard, and my favourite, that cliche receptionist with a telephone headpiece smiling at the camera. If you have any of those, it's best you get rid of them. If you're still not convinced, the guys at Conversion Excel conversion rate optimization specialists and have a fantastic blog and resource. Um, they actually did a study where they found the likelihood of converting was 35% higher when they used a real person compared to their best performing stock image. So final takeaway, like my five-year-old's chocolate birthday cake, stock photos are okay when taken in moderation. They're even better when you can customize them with a treatment to make them your own. Okay, let's get on to the featured buzz of today's episode, and that is chatbots. Just to clarify, because chatbots are sometimes mixed with other automated types of bots. Now, according to, wait for it, Chatbot Magazine, yes, you heard me, Chatbot Magazine, a chatbot is a service powered by rules and sometimes artificial intelligence that you interact with via a chat interface, and they can live in any chat product from Facebook Messenger, Slacked, Slack rather, and even SMS. 
And there are a lot of companies who've already started to build chatbots for things like Facebook Messenger and Slack. It's like, and this is a good analogy, it's like app developers building apps for the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. So for example, there's a company that has developed a chatbot called Hi Poncho, that's a weather bot. And you can actually interact and talk to this weather bot and say, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? And they've launched this on Facebook Messenger. So why should you care? Well, one thing, you should be caring more about chatbots then you should even be caring about the idea of creating an app. That ship has sailed. When I did my inbound pop-up episodes from Boston oh, back in November, I shared Brian Halligan's insight that 80% of smartphone users, 80% of their time rather, is spent in apps, not browsers. However, they're not your apps, they're in messaging apps, you know, which surpass apps like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So think about that. People are using instant message apps more than social networks. And of course, as marketers, we kind of want to ruin everything, right? So how do we get into it? Also, chatbots are the latest kid on the block. And like everything, if you can be an early adopter, you have that advantage before everyone else kind of figures it out. It's like all the sellers who jumped onto Amazon or uh, eBay, right? You know, the authority that they've built up, the reviews that they've built up over the years sets them in great stead. And of course, trust. Now, the thing is, why I'm finally dedicating more time to look into this and research this and even talk about this is the technology to create chatbots has moved so incredibly fast, it's now possible for you, yes, you, to create your own based on technology or templates that people have already created. Before I go any further, if you're serious about chatbots, I'll share two fantastic resources in the show notes. Again, redpandas.com.au forward slash EP53. The first is an article by the Chatbox magazine on the complete beginner's guide to chatbox and Matthew Barbie's article on chatbox marketing. Both fantastic resources, both resources I've kind of jumped into and researched myself, um, and I'm sure you'll get a lot out of it. Now, before you embark on the journey of chatbots, you need to get your head around the different types, and there's two main types. The first type of chatbot is a chatbot that functions based on rules. So this bot is very limited. It can only respond to very specific questions or comments. If you say the wrong thing, it doesn't know what you mean. The second type and the more interesting type are chatbots that function using machine learning. So you don't have to be very specific. You can, as opposed to saying, you know, what will be the weather you know, tomorrow, Monday, the 20th of Feb, you can say, what will be the weather tomorrow? Or tomorrow, what what is the weather going to be like? You don't have to be specific. It understands languages. It understands the differences and not just commands. And this bot gets smarter and smarter as it learns from conversations. So true AI. You also have to understand you don't need to be a technical expert. And I want to reiterate that point because I think this sort of stuff and definitely intimidated me, but intimidates a lot of people from jumping into stuff and trying things. That is no longer the bottleneck. The tools and the platforms that are out there today make sure um, that you don't have to worry about that. What The only thing that you guys need to worry about is make sure you don't overpromise your bot's capabilities. So don't sell it like as the latest and greatest thing. You know, you, you can... Be quite gentle and honest that you know this bot can answer questions around our, our products or our services or our support. So in terms of steps, you have to first identify what is your purpose. You don't just do it for the sake of it. It's not a shiny object, right? Is it for to help people in the purchasing process? Is it to answer questions around pricing and delivery and weight or you know a support kind of question? You know, can you feed your 
blog or if you have a technical support section already, can you feed that into it? And it serves as a support channel. Then you need to think about what platform will your bot live on? And this is the, this is what has historically confused people. What do I do with this bot? Well, it has to live somewhere and it can live on something like a Slack or a Facebook. Ultimately, it will depend on your persona, where they are, but Facebook isn't a bad go. That's where a lot of brands like CNN, uh, a lot of weather apps, uh, they've been playing with Facebook. Messenger, specifically. Then you got to think about which tool will you build your bot in. Now, there's a couple of things I want to share with you, a couple of tools. The first one is Chat Fuel. It's a platform I found on Matthew Barbie's article, and it's a platform that helps you build your own chatbots for Messenger and also Telegram for free. Now, the free version has a limitation of something like 100,000 conversations per month, but for most businesses, that will not be a problem. You also don't need to understand any code, and it's a very simple you know what they call a WYSIWYG, drag and drop what you see what you get sort of interface it's kind of like think of wix or something but for bots now what you do from there is you need to build your user journey and you do this with blocks so if your bot is quite limited and in the start it probably will be you could start with a question so as soon as someone jumps on the bot starts with a question so it might say please tell me what city you live in uh, or, or one Matthew talks about an example Give me a few ingredients and I'll recommend a few relevant recipes. Another chatbot creator app, which I'm loving at the moment because of the integrations, is called Octane AI. And it integrates with Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Shopify, and a host of other sources. So I haven't played with this one myself, but for instance, if it links with Shopify, you could link it to the person's account, for instance. You know, what are the purchases that I've made or when is my order being delivered? Um, and it does so many things and the reason why this is going to work is because people want the path to least resistance they want their questions answered when live chat first came out people didn't think it was going to work but you know consumers realized that hey I can get my answers relatively quickly and this is the very same reason it will work and the other reason is people don't like speaking to people who they know are going to try to sell them. So a bot even though it's created by a company has the illusion that it is relatively non-partial you know it's, it's not bias in any way so I, I do believe these are going to work we're seeing the emergence of it now but in a year's time it's all going to be about chatbots and uh, not many people are going to be focusing on live chat as much as they used to now a couple of applications people are creating which are pretty crazy and again a big thank you to Matthew Barbie's uh, and his article where he talks about some applications or you know some user cases where you can use chatbots and I'll share only two of them here the first one is a newsletter opt-in. So all you need to do is you create the initial question in Chatfuel. So again, Chatfuel was the uh, platform that you can use to create your own chatbot. And you ask the user if they'd like to subscribe to receive content. And if so, how frequently? The second thing you can do is line up meetings. So you may have some qualifying questions or a type of persona that you will meet. You know, maybe customers in a certain industry or customers with a certain spend or employee size, right? So you could ask those questions and uh, then share a link. So you, know, you can share a Calendly link. So Calendly allows somebody to actually um, book some time in your calendar or HubSpot sales, of course, have their own calendar link where you can link into your calendar and get somebody to find a slot. So I firmly believe it's moved away from, oh, that's interesting, or let's kind of you know see what happens, to something you gotta start looking into and gotta start understanding where does this fall in the hierarchy of your marketing. 
because it definitely beats certain things that people are still talking about, like apps. And look, that's it. That's it for another episode. I hope you learned something. If you have any questions, of course, you know where to hit me up at Moby Sadiq on Twitter or Moby at redpandas.com.au. I hope you have a fantastic week ahead, and I'll catch you again for another episode of Inbound Buzz. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.